Hi guys and welcome back to Covid Obesity and Me with the British Obesity Society. I am so sorry that it has been a little while since we last had a chat. However, we had loads of guests planned and for whatever reason, Covid happening, people's diaries changing, we just didn't really get round to um, having the conversations that we hope to have, which isn't a problem because we have an amazing episode today. So today we are with Jane de Villalman, which is our president and our newly appointed co-chair, Louise Payne. And we go into all things obesity and COVID related. Jane has been giving out vaccines as a nurse and Louise, myself and Jane get into a discussion about how things have changed with regards to kind of our eating and our lifestyle habits being impacted by what is literally a worldwide pandemic. It's a really insightful episode and I think that you are absolutely going to love it. Just a reminder that Nova Nordisk has provided a financial contribution to the British Obesity Society to fund the creation and the development of this podcast series. Nova Nordisk has had no influence over the content and full editorial control remains the sole responsibility of the British Obesity Society. So there is a little bit of a caveat with this episode. So Louise was um, recording, feigning in on Zoom, as Jane was, but Louise seemed to be um, in possibly a theme park or somewhere which is equally as noisy so there was a little bit of background noise when she contributed but i think we can kind of get away with it i really hope you enjoyed this episode um please look out for loads of things that we have going on over the next year we've got some really exciting campaigns coming out and jane has kind of hinted to um one of them which we think is possibly gonna shake the world in terms of our obesity habit i'll catch up with you at the end but i really hope that you enjoy this so it obviously has been a while and it's really good to be here with Jane DeVille-Alman, who is the, as of 2022, now the president of the British Obesity Society, with the newly appointed uh, Louise Payne as co-chair with myself, Paul Evans. Um, Louise is currently, it sounds like she's in some kind of farmyard, um, but she is here. Lou, can you uh, just quick say hello for us? Hello, sorry. A lot of background noise, but yeah. It's absolutely fine. So what we're going to do today, so we, um, interestingly, we we had a really good discussion um, yesterday with regards to kind of everything COVID related, um, what's been happening in the last year in terms of the food environment. Um, and we've decided to jump on and just kind of go into more detail about that. I think one of the things that's really interesting, one of the things that came out off the top of this is, um, Jane, you've actually been vaccinating individuals. Um, and I'm really interested to kind of hear the how things have been going for your perspective. And actually, from a kind of obesity perspective, whether there's been any comments from people who are overweight and obese, whether you've seen individuals who are potentially overweight and obese um, who are, um, you know, more more often than usual, less often than usual, and then be really kind of interesting to hear everyone's perspective with regards to where we think um, obesity and overweight is kind of sat in the previous kind of couple of years. So yeah, Jane, talk to us about kind of. I mean, for me, I'm personally fascinated about how the vaccines have been going. Your role and you know everything around that well the vaccine's been going really well as you know it's been reported every single day for the last year it seems um what's interesting is that lots of people who are coming in for the vaccines um when we're chatting and we've got five minutes to chat and i, I tell them a little bit about what i do my normal job in my normal life um there's so many of them who've gained weight during COVID. And the biggest danger, of course, Paul, is, or the biggest risk to them now, of course, is because of the close down of all the uh, 
um, you know, Weight Watchers and Slimming World and all the commercial organisations and the fact that most GPs aren't seeing people and nurses face to face unless it's a serious illness, which obesity still isn't considered to be a serious illness. Um, they've got no support. And so a lot of, you know, there are those who come in who say that during COVID they've had more time to eat healthier. They're not at work, so they don't get tempted. Uh, they've had more time to go walk in and do things at lunchtime. Um, but the vast majority of people have found it a very depressing time and they've actually gained weight during COVID. Jane, do you think that the, um, like the face-to-face kind of contact when individuals go to the doctor's surgery, I don't know, for a routine check-in, having that conversation where a doctor will highlight um, the issues of an individual um, having overweight or obese, do you think that that is something that's absolutely fundamental with regards to us tackling, you know, and supporting individuals who are overweight and obese? And definitely. Yeah, no, there's definitely needs to be face-to-face contact with someone who cares, actually, um, and who has, has empathy with them and who understands the difficulties and who chats to them and helps them work out a solution. Um, without that, you know, when it, it's a very, very difficult task to lose weight. And um, it's a very emotive subject, isn't it? Because there are people who say, you know, what's the matter with them? Why can't they just resist eating foods and, and, and stop eating rubbish and just kind of get on and lose weight? But food is part of every single thing we do in our life. You know, we give food to our kids to make them happy. We give food to our family to make them happy. We go to parties and we eat food and drink. Um, You know, we socialise and we eat food and drink. We go into towns. We go anywhere to the cinema. There's always food on offer that smells delicious and we want to buy it. So to tell people they can't eat that food anymore is really hard. So they kind of need a strategy and they need someone to kind of talk them through it really. Um, and I think, you know, I'm going to get Louise in, in a minute because Louise said something really interesting yesterday. Um, and it, which is about, you know, people try and give up everything and lose weight and that doesn't work. It needs to be kind of this slow uh, process where you, you know what your trigger triggers are you slowly stop eating as much or drinking as much of those things and then you kind of get used to that and then you do something a little bit more you can't do it all at once but I definitely think without that face-to-face contact um it's become much harder for people yeah I mean Louise one of the things that we were obviously discussing yesterday um was the concept of individuals and we had a really kind of really positive discussion about the impact of emotional eating around lockdown and that you know um the the concept of I, th- I mean we covered loads yesterday which is fantastic and I think we should try and cover it again today but the concept of yeah okay we're we're locked down we're not seeing individuals and that kind of boredom eating I mean what's what's your kind of thoughts on that yeah so with me it wasn't really down to the boredom eating to be honest I wasn't bored at all because I just had so much to do but um because my like lifestyle I guess just completely changed so I went from walking into the office every day walking home to having to work from home um basically sat in front of a laptop all day every day um as I was lecturing so we moved on to online um teaching um so it was that as well as um I'd just moved out of my house so I had to move in with my parents 
um, because my new house wasn't ready. Um, so we were all kind of living together and it was more of a social experience as well because um, we were just enjoying each other's company and, um, I don't know, we'd, we were kind of, we'd have puddings um, most nights, whereas we wouldn't usually. Um, we'd have a drink um, a few nights where we wouldn't usually. So a lot of things just changed because I think we just didn't really know how long it would go on for. Um, so, so, yours was, so yours was almost like, a, from your personal perspective, like a kind of almost celebration, you know, but it was still, it's interesting, isn't it? Because on one side, one hand, you've got individuals who are locked down, possibly feeling lonely, bored, yeah. you know, not with a lot to do. And then on the other hand, you've got individuals like yourself who actually are seeing it as a bit of a celebration. You know, we're all together. It's almost like Christmas Day every day and, and we're kind yeah. of overeating but it's still that kind of emotional eating how much do you think that um supermarkets and going out food shopping louise potentially had an impact over covid do you think that there because they were obviously the only shops available um do you think that there was you know a bit of a change in our shopping habits i mean personally from your experience i know you're very observant in this the kind of nutrition and health world what's your kind of perspectives on that um, our shopping habits. Um, I don't really know, Paul. I don't know what what you're kind of asking me. I, I, sorry, I'll, I'll come in there. I, I think I think uh, Paul, for me, um, and for a lot of people I've spoken to, the, the problem with the shopping habits is a lot of people have been scared to go shopping, so they've gone online. And whereas when you go shopping and see things with your eye, and you you know you get used to saying. Oh, I'm not going to have that, even though I'm walking past it and it's trying to tempt me. I think when you're online and you're feeling a bit down, you tend to go to the things that you like rather than the things that you see. So whereas, you know, walking around, you might be looking at the vegetable section first and think, yeah, I'll have a few veg. And when I go online, the first thing I do is go to cakes, biscuits and chocolates and, you know, a bottle of wine. And I think, oh, that would be nice. And then like the other thing, you know, because I haven't got the visual stimulation, I've seen it walking around. I definitely think um, my shopping habits changed for a while. And certainly lots of my friends' shopping habits changed for a while. And people started having a lot more takeaways as well. You know, they, they couldn't be bothered to shop online because they, they, they couldn't get a slot because so many people were getting slots. So they'd just go to a takeaway. And they, I, found, they, 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 I, I, I know what you mean, Jaden. I think I found as well that because there was nothing else to do, you, you're kind of going to the supermarket was a bit of an event. So, you know, you might you might go to the supermarket when you didn't really need to, just because it was like, why not? And so with that, because you don't actually need, you know, you've done your weekly shop, but because you don't need food, you really just go and you just buy those, you know, maybe a bit of alcohol, I'll try some of these beers or I'll have these fast foods. And I think the, the kind of theme of this conversation thus far is that, it is, you know, it's about your emotions. And I feel like a lot of our mindset changed and our emotions throughout kind of lockdown. It it was shaped by what was going on. And the reality was what was going on was that we were bored. We didn't know when this was coming out. It made us quite anxious and or we were eating too much and drinking too much. That then impacted our sleep. So a lot of people reported that they had really poor sleep habits and it was either because they were drinking too much alcohol, they're eating the wrong types of food or, excuse me, and this is another point 
quite often people just weren't moving around as much. I mean, you know, there was a lot of people walking around, but where people doing more activity, you know, it seems, I mean, Jane, I don't know your, your perspective, but from what I've seen in, in kind of the circles that I've associated with and conversations I've had, um, even having conversations on the radio, it seems that individuals have either gone one way or the other. We know from being on this podcast that there are, I think, two people on this series who since COVID have um, changed their habits for the better and their lifestyle for the better. But on the other hand, you know, there's individuals who have gone the complete other way. You know, I've, as, I mean, personally, Jane, I don't know about you, but I've seen individuals who after the back of lockdown, a friend of mine's girlfriend, um, she came somewhere recently um where where they were there i'm trying not to be specific as to where i saw them and um you know she was she'd put on loads of weight to the point where she was unrecognizable and i think you know that is that's a challenge of of lockdown you know well i had a similar incident as well you know um met up with people haven't seen for two years and didn't actually recognize them because they have gained so much weight um there are the there are the positive stories and i need to reiterate that there are some people um you know both during vaccines that have told me uh, one of the vaccinators who I was vaccinating with um lost 12 stone during covid 12 stone which is amazing and again unrecognizable from the person they were when they were bigger to the person they are today and they said their life has changed you know so much now they can do a lot more that they can't believe how they could have carried that much weight for all those years and and not realized how much it was impacting on their life um but the vast majority that there are more people who have gained weight than have lost weight and you're right i mean people have gone i think if you look around you can see lots more people walking um walking the streets you know over in the parks doing these runs on a sunday but when you chat to them they say what happens is you know when they get home and they're you know back in lockdown the only you know the thing that they find most comforting is eating nice food and so you know there's this and and it is very it's very much an emotional thing eating for a lot of people if you ask most people what you know why they eat they'll say well you know i've been to a party i'm going to a friend's house i've got friends over or having you know the grandkids over tonight or you know they very rarely say i eat because i'm hungry you know people people eat because they're they're turned on by nice foods and generally you know we know that all the foods that are deemed to be bad for us are very addictive and giving up those foods it's like giving up anything that's addictive it's hard very hard um and and people find it hard and and without the face to face and without without support people find it even harder i think as well with you know the the evidence coming out with covid throughout this pandemic we've seen that i think it was 51 percent of um individuals who were in hospital um with covid were um obese or morbidly obese and you know i think that raises another highlight i guess for our country that you know we need to support these individuals you know we need to be able to offer them um you know the the support that they need and they want and with with covid it seems that um of the majority i remember seeing a study over covid where and we i mean we we're all all three of us are in agreement here that during covid we've eaten more we've drunk more you know and i feel that if people don't know how to i guess balance you know 
the calories in calories out and that's a you know an argument within itself but i feel that we're not going to solve these issues and it's all well and good kind of throwing you know drugs at the matter but actually you know possibly there's there's other things that we need to look at right yeah, that's right. I mean, we used to have like lots of services that were available for pre-COVID. Services were starting to develop for people with a weight problem, you know, um, where they had access to psych- psychological issues, you know, a psychologist and a dietitian or a nutritionalist and a nurse and a doctor. And, you know, possibly, you know, with the thought of interventions with either drugs or with with um, bariatric surgery, but during COVID, all that's gone. You know, people can't even get hip replacement anymore. So we, we we've almost gone back in time now, Paul. So whereas we were just starting to develop services, and things might have just started to, you know, work out okay for people who've got a weight problem, it's all gone back like ten years. And you know, we've got Boris who lost weight during COVID. He was ill and sick. But if you look at Boris, he's put on that weight again. He certainly hasn't kept it off. And, you know, no one ever, I mean, losing weight is one thing, but maintaining a weight loss is a completely and totally, you know, other thing. And we were talking yesterday a lot about distractions with food. You know, everywhere that you go, they sell food and it's nearly always the wrong type of foods that you're buying. So you go into the town centres, we've got, donuts hot dogs you know fast foods all the fast food outlets you go to a sports center you go to a, a hospital you know our local hospital has got they don't no longer have a canteen they have greg's the baker's selling food there you know you go to you go to sports and leisure center you've got you know um they, they sell crisps and fizzy drinks and uh, you know where uh, chips when are we going to start seeing healthy options being sold at the places that we all go to. You know, if you go to, if you take your kids to um, a park, a theme park, every single store there sells rubbish food that's going to make our kids fat. Um, you know, if you, and that, that is such a major issue that we need to focus on. I think that kind of brings us on to possibly the wider issue, Louise, that um, I feel that, we have an often conversation about um like but the conversations that come off the back of what you've just said there jane is quite often you know the conversation is our oh, moderation you know it's good to have balance but you know w- what what can we do like why why you know we're, we're looking at checkouts i remember being a big deal back in 2016 that supermarkets were going to commit to um to removing unhealthy checkouts it lasted for six months and now I think other than I think about two supermarkets, you go in now, I mean, Marks and Spencer are one of the worst for it. You go in and there's, you know, Percy Pig sweets, there's this, there's the other, those kind of impulse buys. But Jane, as you say, the kind of out of home sector, the, you know, leisure centres, cinemas, you know, try and go to a cinema and, you know, eat something of any nutrition substance. But Louise, keen to hear kind of what, what your thoughts are that we can do in terms of addressing those those wider issues of the out of home sector, um, you know, and what responsibility should they take, you know, in terms of, um, you know, addressing what is that kind of wider issue. Yeah, I mean, things are being done, aren't they? Um, so there's going to be new regulations regarding like marketing and um, where 
foods high in fat, salt and sugar are placed next year. Um, also, there's been the um, introduction of the sugar reduction program, calorie reduction program, although they are voluntary, so haven't made too much of an impact. And then the um, soft drinks levy as well. So there are some positive steps being made, but as you say, it's just the environment that we're living in. At the end of the day, people... I mean, this is controversial, really, because some people say that it is, some people say that it's not, but obesity isn't a choice. People don't just choose um, to be obese, but there's so many things in the way that are actually promoting obesity, and that's the issue, really. It, it comes back as well. I mean, a, a consistent conversation that I've had recently is that we and Jane, this is this been interesting um, to hear your thoughts on this. A lot of the time, the, the kind of generic argument is that it comes down to an education, but that's if you're presuming that individuals want to be educated and need to be educated. Do we need to, like we did with the sugar tax that Louise just said, do we need to effectively nudge individuals into, you know, finding um, the exposure to foods which are high in fat, salt and sugar? Do we need to be restricting those or is it down to the education? Well, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, we've got to accept that some people are quite happy with the way they live their lives and they don't want to be told what to do two years of being told what to do every single day and every single news item that comes on you know it's put people's backs up and I for one don't want someone to tell me what I can eat and can't eat however if I go somewhere that there's a choice of food and the choice of food that's healthy looks as delicious smells as delicious and tastes as delicious as a non-healthy food I'd like that option and that's the thing and and, and I think the that we need to make more places aware of the fact that you know a lot of the food they sell is not nutritious it is not good it's not good quality food uh, one of the interesting things in i saw yesterday in the press um is to put like a health warning on high fat foods so um as they did with cigarettes they're thinking of putting um, a health warning saying you know this is a danger to your health um whether that will have an impact i don't know i mean it w- w- there are some positive moves, and I think as Louise has already alluded to, we have got some changes being made, although it's voluntary. A lot of the larger companies are trying to adhere to the changes. And certainly if you were to have some cereals from the 1960s and have those same cereals now, you'd notice a massive difference in the taste of it because they have reduced the sugar and they have reduced um, salts and sugars in these foods. Um, but does it go far enough? And, you know, it's the, and people need to also understand that it takes a little bit of time to change your food palate. So the first few weeks are going to be really tough, and you're going to really crave some of the things that you, you liked before because they are addictive. But once you get down, once you get past the first or the second month of you Re, re, you know, changing and re-educating your food palates, you actually get used to it. You know, a classic example, I spoke to someone this morning online who was saying that, that you know, that, that they've got a weight problem. They were actually saying how much they loved bread and how they've gone from eating white bread, which they love, 
to eating granary and brown bread and eating less of it and how now they don't actually like the taste of white bread. They've got used to granary and brown bread. The same with white rice and and brown rice. You know, so we can change our palates. And I think people need to just stick with it a little bit longer. And they don't have to give everything up. They just have to start to make a few more healthier choices. And eventually those will become just their normal choices. I think that's, you know, for me, the, the biggest thing whenever I communicate with anybody, you know, who wants to receive support in, um, you know, reducing their body weight. I think that one of the, the quite consistent things often is that they say, oh, and this is why diets don't work, you know, these extreme diets, because quite often it comes down to individuals who, you know, they, they need to feel that there's this feeling of thinking that they need to cut things out and they need to do these drastic things when the reality is you just need to eat half you know if, if we're going to be really make it as simple as possible you just eat a little bit less than what you're eating yesterday um and i think that that's really really important to to kind of tackle um one of the things i was going to say as well as just on what you said there jane is that it comes down to those habits as well right and you know for an individual to feel that they can make any kind of positive change health related in whatever sector however you'd like to look at it it comes down to just shaping those habits you know and just looking at kind of what the individual can do to to change the mindset and to change the like brushing your teeth you know it's, it's something that we don't really think about but if you're an individual who is habitually having i don't know a huge dairy milk chocolate bar at seven o'clock every night then just changing those habits can have such a kind of fundamental difference into kind of shaping your health is there anything else jane uh, I, that you got I, sorry go on yeah no i no I, I think that that's just triggered you know exactly a few things i'd like to say you know if anyone's listening to the podcast and they want to know how they can start to change and amend uh, their eating habits one um i think just like cleaning your teeth you should weigh yourself regularly because, you know, most people who start putting on weight stop weighing themselves because they don't want to know the truth. Uh, one, you should weigh yourself regularly. Two, you should give yourself a little challenge. You know, not, you know, if you need to lose seven stone, don't give yourself a challenge of losing seven stone. Give yourself a challenge of losing three or four pounds. And then when you've done that, another three or four pounds. So, you know, keep it realistic. Three, you know, when you look at your plate of food, think, do I need all this and scrape a third off or half off? You know, when you go out to, when you go and buy chips from the chip shop or takeaways, just eat half of what they provide because they nearly always provide too much food um, and make slow and gradual changes. You know, just do one thing a month. You know, if you love ice cream, you know, and you have it every day, have it every second day and then maybe once a week and then maybe once a month and then eventually you won't crave it. And those are the kind of things, but you need to have a strategy. And finally, have a shopping list. Decide on what you're going to eat for the week and try and stick to it. Because, and don't, you know, if you're going out, fine, just take that out of your day. But but make sure that you plan your meals because one of the biggest problems is people don't plan their meals. They suddenly, three o'clock in the afternoon, they're absolutely starving. They go out and they buy like a fast takeaway food, which is doesn't fill them up. And then they buy a chocolate bar because they're still starving and then that gives them a bit of a high and then they'll buy something else like a cream cake because they, they love the taste of sugar and then that's just on this perpetual kind of spinning wheel so what you need to do is plan food don't eat snacks in between try and avoid them after a few weeks you won't crave them 
Louise, is there anything from you just on what Jane's just said there? Um, I mean, I think me and Jane have slightly different views, really, because I'm more... I kind of want to move away from that whole like focusing on weight and focusing more on health. So what can I do to like, what healthier choices can I make that aren't really to do with my weight, but that can obviously make me healthier. So like have more fiber, ensure I'm having more fruit and vegetables, um, and more like fish, protein, etc., cetera. Um, and just making those simple changes and rather than just being too focused on your weight, because I just think, although it is important, obviously, um, to having the back of your head, but some people become too obsessed with that whole weight loss, and then that's when it isn't sustainable. Um, yeah. Okay. What's your thoughts on that? No, I, 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 I can understand. Um, I mean, you know, Louise deals with people every day and, and and from Louise's perspective, I think you're absolutely right, Louise. You know, if people come in to you and they want, and they're talking about nutrition, then the focus on weight probably isn't necessary. But for me as a nurse, when people come in with, um, you know, hip replacements, knee replacements, type 2 diabetes, I'm afraid I know the only thing that's going to improve that is if they lose weight. And it isn't something they want to hear, I know, but it's something that as a healthcare professional, a nurse, and someone who works in public health, I'm going to have to keep on, you know, hammering home. There are lots and lots of conditions that are exacerbated, made much worse, um, by carrying extra weight. Um, that doesn't mean you can't be healthy and be big. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that, but when someone comes to the doctor with a clinical condition that I know is made worse by their weight, I have to mention their weight and I have to try and explain to them, but by losing weight, they're likely to improve their clinical condition. And so um, I absolutely understand where you're coming from, Louise, and I think it's good that we have these healthy debates because you don't just want, you know, a nurse's clinical approach to this. You know, we need lots of approaches. So that's what I'd say, um, you know, in, in response to Louise's, um, what Louise has just said. Yeah, I think it just is such a complex issue, isn't it? And it is, like you say, it is um, good to have everybody's, like, individual opinions and approaches um, in order to kind of tackle obesity, I guess. Definitely. I mean, Paul and I have very different approaches to um, physical activity, very different ideas about it, and it, and it's and its relationship to, you know, if we're talking about weight loss, weight loss. Um, but again, you know, I absolutely agree with Paul. Being physically active is one of the most important things in our lives, not just for our mental health, but for our physical well-being and, you know, just everything we do, and for the planet, actually, because the more we walk and the more we take part in physical activity, the less likely we are to use a car. Um, so, so you know, it, it's got massive uh, knock-on. But, you know, as I say, for, for weight loss itself, um, I'm afraid um, if you are overweight and it's causing you a health issue, um, the best way to go forward is to try and lose a bit of that weight. It's just interesting. Sorry, because no, go on. Obviously the whole um, obesity is a risk factor for COVID and all of that, um, and so much awareness has been raised around that issue, yet people are still continuing to gain weight. It's not like it hasn't had any kind of impact on the population, if that makes sense. That's 
it does because public, yeah right? because public yeah because public health unfortunately um you know has to be a whole systems approach uh, and like we've started right back to where we, we where we began at the beginning of this is it can't just be done by a single individual it has to be done by the food industry by the leisure industry by your workplace by every every single aspect of your life has to be involved in this for it to work because doing it on your own is incredibly difficult. I think I'm I'm kind of tied between the two of you because for me I'm a strong believer well you know this is this is absolute fact that we are made up of the cells are made up of our cells and our cells are made up of what we consume Mm -hmm. and I just cannot understand why day to day why anyone wouldn't prioritize their health so I cannot get my head around other than you know there's arguments for why we do all sorts of things so even an individual who smokes they smoke 20 a day because they like a dopamine hit now for me I'd like to explore I've never smoked and I'd like to explore kind of the reasons for that and okay well what's missing for you to need to fulfill that there's kind of reasons for everything and for me I just I feel that if we spent a lot more time as individuals prioritizing our health 70% of the decisions not even 80% 70% of the decisions if we sit there and go is this the healthiest option that I could make just 70% of the time? If you did that, even 50% of the time, then I honestly, honestly believe that we wouldn't have this kind of obesity issue. And I think that that is a really kind of good part to, to kind of sum up um, the conversation with you both. Um, we will catch up in the new year, no doubt. Really, really kind of insightful conversation, but um, really, really great. Thanks, Jane. Lovely to hear from you. And, uh, lovely to be here thanks thanks paul for organizing it and i'm sure we'll hear from louise in future yeah thank you paul <laughs> so there you have it that is the latest and the last episode of the british obesity society's covid obesity and me uh, season two for 2021 i really hope that you found the information both in this podcast and our back catalogue really useful and insightful and please do revisit us send us some messages and keep posted on everything we've got going on we've got really exciting five years ahead of us and we really really can't wait for you to be part of it i've been paul evans if you need anything or if you have any questions with regards to anything that we've talked about and everything we've talked about please do your message hello at the boss with one s dot org that's hello at the boss dot org thanks a lot